Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, goofballs and scumbags. It looks like you made it. Made it with us. Another 365 of the Football Misfits. Uh, this is episode 75 out of 100. Ooh! Doesn't that have a nice ring to it? Uh, of course, as always, ain't nothing changed from last year to this year. I am your host, LV, aka. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. My Rainey's Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty, a.k.a. The New Sex in the City is fire, y'all, but neither here nor there. <laughs> and, of course, it would not be the football misfits without the man, the myth, the legend, the man who makes it happen, Mr. Misfits himself, the leader in the Football Misfits Prediction Cup. I'm talking about nobody else but Ronnie. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. Let's try this this time. Happy New Year, everybody. Stay strong, be brave. Hey, we got the party horn back for the 2022. It just even sounds weird. The year is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, man, remember when, like that. Of course it does. Remember, remember when the world was supposed to end in 2012? Still here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And after a uh, two-match ban, we are back with, y'all know, the legendary Super League Spence, Spencyclopedia Britannica. The data desk himself with more facts and more Googles. More for the 2022. Uh, y'all may know him as Spence. Honestly, so do I. Spence, say what's good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love. Peace and love. Happy New Year. New yeah. Year. Same us. Hey, New facts. Year, same us. And he sounds like he's exhausted from the Super League New Year party. Let's go. I was, I was going to say, that is, the, that is the voice tone of someone who uh, is secretly working with the, the richest clubs in the world to ensure world domination for Madrid and Liverpool. The first uh, man to get word to Fabrizio Romano, apparently. Let's go. There you go, man. Fabrizio Romano gets the sources from the data desk. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but that being said, of course, ain't nothing changed. We are back at it again. And y'all know how we like to start. We got favorite matches of the week. Ronnie, what you got? All right. So there were some... There was some. There was a lot of footy coming from England, and my favorite match in particular happened on Monday, the day after Boxing Day. Newcastle United and Manchester United. It was an Alan Saint Maximum show. It was him. It was Jolington, and Sean Longstaff just tearing up Manchester United. Saint Maximum did score early, and then it was just their ball game. Even though some of stats didn't favor them like possession despite that newcastle were just making it difficult for manu edison Cavani did get an equalizer to end it one one i had everyone looking at this like is this Ole's team or um ralph ragnick's team i don't know can't tell the difference but that was my favorite game especially given that newcastle are like piss poor damn near bottom of the prem while manchester united have top four aspirations and of course seeing St. maximum who is trying to drag Newcastle to safety. Made it my favorite match of the week. Yeah, my boy, St. Maximin, two things I'll say about him. He's everything Adama Traore uh, wants to be at this point. Uh, and two, uh, he's dragging himself to a payday, fam. He's seen the new owners. <laughs> so let me ball out. <laughs> let me ball out real quick. But now he's been absolutely roasted and uh, man united. Rafa Varane said, fam, I just came back. Relax. <laughs> Take it easy. Man. He made him look crazy. <laughs> but um, most of the other leagues took breaks for the holiday. The Premier League said, fuck that, as they always do. And so my match of the week, if it wasn't going to be that already, um, is from the Premier League. I kind of have two, but I'll just stick with one. And it is. it came on Wednesday, December 29th. Uh, Chelsea versus Brighton, and this match I think is important because we saw the return of uh, Romelu Lukaku scoring goals, a nice little header goal, uh, looking to put Chelsea back to their winning ways after having a tough December, to be quite honest with you, with uh, the COVIDs and the injuries and, you know, some bad form, really slipping in the title race uh, to Man City uh, and dropping under Liverpool in third place, and it looked like they'd get the W here as they seemed to command most of the match. Brighton, a side that we've spoken about on this pod countless times, uh, you know, 
still sitting inside the top 10. Uh, Grand Potter's got them going. And their only issue seemed to have been scoring goals, to which they still have you know, some issues there. But they would ruin Thomas Tuchel's day at the death of this match as none other than Manchester United reject, Arsenal legend, Danny Welbeck, would find himself coming off the bench late to score a goal in the 90th minute and steal the point away from Chelsea, uh, leaving some turmoil there, if you will, uh, which we'll get to the match finishes. Uh, Chelsea won. Brighton and Hove Albion won. Only uh, Man City wins when the family feuds, it seems. Uh, but Chelsea absolutely struggling, and uh, that was my match of the week. The families are feuding, y'all. They absolutely are, and uh, specifically at Chelsea. So, um, you know, let's Ronnie, right into it, fam. Uh, let's do it because you know what's funny? Uh, the year just began, and the bullshit continues to flood. I love to see it. You know, uh, they're giving us content for days, which we appreciate, uh, specifically in the Chelsea camp. Let's stick right there um, and just get to the, the man who scored uh, for Chelsea against Brighton, Mr. Romelu Lukaku, the 100 million pound man, straight out of Inter Milan. And apparently he wants to go right back. <laughs> it's, it sucks because Inter Milan's like, yeah, no, he can stay. And the fans are like, fuck out my face, bro. We got Eden Jekyll for the free, and uh, he's scoring them goals. But uh, I guess to, to kind of uh, start from the beginning of this timeline, uh, a bombshell Sky Sports uh, Italia interview dropped uh, over the course of the past couple of days, uh, which featured Mr. Romelu Caco himself. And uh, in being interviewed by who I thought was Fabrizio Romano, uh, it wasn't uh, easy to think that because he was the only one with the quotes, apparently, <laughs> on the internet over the past couple of uh, days. Um, it was an interview which was about 29, say 30 minutes long, uh, and Lukaku was just getting some shit off his chest, to say the least. Um, some shit. <laughs> most of which, uh, as we just mentioned, you know, talking about his return to Inter Milan, picking up the club in which he just left, talking about how it changed him as a player, and he can't wait to go back. Um, but he kind of he kind of kept going and, and and went a little bit overboard, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, according to the quotes that we've uh, read so far from one Fabrizio Romano, because mainly the interview doesn't seem to be available yet in the continental United States, unless you have a VPN or something like that. Um, and it's and even then, it's in Italian. So we're picking from what we can find. And not only did Lukaku, uh, I guess, big up into Milan to the point where it seemed like he wanted to go back. Uh, he was talking about places where he could have landed aside from Chelsea. Talking about, yeah, you know, I turned down a deal from Manchester City. <laughs> he said I could have went to Bayern, things of that nature. Um, and most of all, um, as Ronnie said, the family, the family's feuding. What uh, seems to uh, catch uh, a lot of folks, at least in the Premier League and at Chelsea specifically, uh, by surprise and shock, is his, uh, I guess, maybe you could say negative comments in regards to his time at Chelsea, saying that, you know, he's unhappy there, unhappy with the system. It's not working for him. You know, I believe he dropped Tuchel's name. Uh, I could be wrong in that, but basically saying that he's unhappy with the situation. Um, he did, to shoot him some bail, did also mention that he will be professional. I'm like, fam, you just went crazy about Inter Milan for 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so uh, he did say that he will remain professional and he will stick to it. Uh, but he's not happy with his time at Chelsea. Clearly, still, still's got it. He still has his head over at the San Siro or whatever's left of it, right, Ronnie? Yeah. Well, I, I don't care about the whole tactics part of it and the whole playing a different formation because players, you know, they have their say about shit like that over all the time. This is a whole bigging up of Inter for me. The name of the special was even called something along the lines of Inter. I'm sorry, I love you or some shit. <laughs> uh. that's what that's what I can't stop thinking about especially because of the fact that he was big enough Chelsea while he was at Inter my man's was talking about my job not finished I have unfinished work in the Prem Chelsea no other club I'm over there yada 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 I'm paraphrasing and exaggerating but stuff along those lines is what he was basically saying <laughs> and 
And now just three short months later, 100 million pounds later, uh, he's only got his mind in Inter Milan. I mean, to the point where the bombshell quote for me, and you pointed this out, Ronnie, as we were speaking about it off the pod, uh, he was talking about, you know, not only about Antonio Conte saying that he was his mentor, uh, you know, and that he speaks regularly with him. He said it hurt me when he left Inter, but he said I didn't leave because of him. That's what he said. Now, he was also bigging up, you know, teammates, his connection with one Latar Martinez, who, Ronnie, that's, you know, your man's a, a, a you know, great Argentinian forward. But the one that killed me, he said, uh, uh, quote, unquote, about Latar Martinez, he told Latar, don't come to Chelsea. I will return to Inter Milan. And I'm sitting here like, fam, how are you going to diss your current club and then also try to block their transfer? Uh, kind of dissuading uh, Lautaro to come, you know, to the Premier League if there were any sort of rumors or any chance of that even happening. So my man is uh he's moving different, and clearly it's causing a shitstorm over at uh, Chelsea Football Club, which personally I love to see. I have a lot to you. <laughs> I find that bit hard to defend. Like you say what you want about Italiano being his mother tongue or whatever, the way he's bringing up Lautaro in particular, and a lot of what he said about Inter in particular. Yeah, hard to, you know, try to justify that. It's crazy because, like, yo, fam, you you're, you are a good footballer. Don't get me wrong. You should be media trained, no? And it's crazy. Yeah. Apparently none of this team knew about this shit. Yeah, and uh, even, yeah, as you said, even Tusha uh, talking about he didn't know uh, what's going on as Spencer from the data that says, one of the best. He's not talking about his media training. He's talking about him on the field, clearly. Um, but, yeah, I think just the... Obviously, you know, it was also reported that this interview was conducted a couple weeks back uh, at a point. Another where Chelsea, thing that's crazy. Yeah. At a point where Chelsea were, uh, I believe, top of the table. And Not only that, but Lukaku was hurt, too. Yeah, Lukaku wasn't uh, playing. And interestingly enough, he did start the season, you know, not not badly at all. He was scoring goals and, and things seemed to be working out for him. But he clearly seems to be unhappy with the situation or the system, if you will. but. I mean, if we just try to read between the lines or just do some digging into this here, uh, whether or not you're unhappy with the system, I don't think this is the way that the problem gets solved. You know, that's just my opinion. I don't think the problem gets solved in this way. So it makes me think that maybe Lukaku has ulterior motives in that he might be ready to go already. Or, you know, he's trying to get Thomas Tuchel the hell out of here. I mean, the way you tell Lautaro, yo, don't come out here. I'm going to meet you back there. Does seem like... He he has an exit plan already. Hey, he sounded like he was uh, ready to call an Uber uh, over to Milan ASAP. But um, I think on the Tuchel point, um, I guess we should also give off what he said in regards to um, what happened. He did speak about it shortly after the interview or, or the quotes began to surface uh, in his pre-match presser before they played Liverpool uh, on the day of recording today, Sunday. And basically he said, things of the nature that it doesn't help. Obviously, this, these type of things doesn't help because we're focused on the Prem. We're focused on winning. We're focused on playing a big match this weekend and stuff like that. And he did, like I said, mention that he didn't know until this sort of stuff came out. He said, he, he said this is a player who seemed like he was happy at the club. So he's kind of painting Lukaku in a light where he's like, fam, you're not, you're not really saying nothing if you do have an issue. But on the Lukaku point and on the Tusha point, uh, Tuchel went so far as to not uh, start him or not even play him. He wasn't even involved on the bench against Liverpool. Let's talk about that in particular. Do you agree with that? Personally, I think as a coach, you want to get a, a, a grip of your club and show that you know your word is bond and that you basically. Um, I'm assuming, obviously, as a manager, you don't want you know your issues to go into public. You can handle them internally, and so for someone to go out. I guess, according to Tuchel, behind his back and kind of say things that even Tuchel didn't know. Um, I think it. I think it deserves some discipline. I think in the in the regard that the manager's got to have the team uh, sort of corralled. He's got to be have, have control of the squad and the players and be on the same page. Uh, and we've seen it with uh, Mikel Arteta, who you know was accused of not knowing what he's doing because he's been bench. He's been removing Obama Yang from the team as far back as the last North London Derby because he's been late. And then even now, when you know, uh, in, in, in recent months, he's dropped him and stripped him of the captaincy. So I think this type of stuff is absolutely warranted. Uh, Tuchel's really got no, he's kind of 
be, uh, caught between, uh, this is a, always a funny phrase, but caught between the rock and the hard place in that Lukaku is you know, a wonderful striker, a top talent, and could have been used in that match against Liverpool. But, you know, no player whose actions are above the squad or, you but know. But what about not- the argument where I prove your worth? Show me out show me out here right now against Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, it's a that's a good point in regards to, you know, I guess proving a point, but I think that route also kind of leaves the you know, the idea of and obviously this is not like a an official rule, but I've you know, I think we've heard from even, you know, as far back as like Alex Ferguson at Man United and stuff, Jose Mourinho even back when he's at Chelsea or back when he was at Porto that handling, you know, issues between the coaches and the players was an internal thing. And when you take it to the media, it kind of makes it something that it shouldn't be. It takes away a focus from what's going on and the, the task at hand. So the fact that he's doing that and you start him, he, you know, whether or not it's a system that he likes or whatever the case may be, it doesn't necessarily reprimand what he did, if that makes sense. That's the way I, I look at it. I think it was just a distraction from, as to, you know, Tusha put it, from what Chelsea's trying to do. They're in a very tough spot. They've been in pretty poor form, you know, losing to West Ham and dropping points elsewhere, obviously against Brighton at the week, uh, at the midweek. So the the title race is slipping from them. And, and this is this all happens before literally probably one of the biggest matches, of, you know, of the season for them in a team that's sitting directly above them. And they have to get these three points in order to keep pressure on City and even Liverpool. So for it to happen in that situation, I think it takes away from the focus Aside from all the stuff he said about not liking the system, but being professional. But, you know, it seemed to show that there's a disconnect between Lukaku and the Chelsea managing squad and, and Thomas Tuchel. So um, I think that definitely deserves punishment in that regard. And Tuchel clearly is trying to make a statement. Whether that's going to come by, back to bite him in the ass, we shall see. Similar to Mikel Arteta, it seems to be working out in regards to Aubameyang. This is where I think it could become an issue, Ronnie, and to your point where maybe the chess move would have been to play him because uh, with Chelsea, as we all know, it's the Dragon's Den. Roman Abramovich is sitting up top watching. He just spent $100 million on this guy, on this one guy. You know, he's got short-term memory. It doesn't matter if you won the Champions League. You're, you know, 9 or 12 points behind uh, uh, Man City at this point in the league. The league might be wrapped up and done. Not saying it is, but, you know, the pressure could be on for Tuchel if he doesn't manage the situation well. And it looks like something that he didn't even start. But obviously, we don't know the internal beef or what have you, because it seems like there has to be some sort of issue between Lukaku and Tuchel. I'm not saying that there is, but it seems like there has to be. This doesn't look like something that just would come out of left field as it is being given to us, you know, or framed to be. And right. I mean, now, I know tomorrow, Monday, um, Lukaku is going to the principal's office to have a word about the situation. So... <laughs> we'll see what results from that. But, he's, um, got a, he's got a Monday meet. <laughs> <laughs> if we do continue on with the quotes, he, apart from I believe the quote you used was pole jockeying, um, his all <laughs> for Inter. Also talking about I could have gone to Manchester City in 2020, but I said nah. And the Chelsea offer was less than that one. I mean, that doesn't even make Lukaku look good in regards to like, bro, you chose to go to Chelsea and now you're doing this here. Like, it just looks. Looks kind of funny in the light. Maybe he should have went to City, but obviously City don't need him in the way that we're looking at this now. Uh, but it just seems to all be funny, and I'm wondering where this is coming from. And I don't think this would be something that's completely unprovoked. No way, no how. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, obviously we haven't seen the 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 visual, the video interview. All we've seen is quotes. We don't know how it began, how the questions arose, and you know his body language and stuff like that. That would help us better kind of analyze the quotes that we were reading. Because we're kind of just now, you know, no tone, no nothing, just, uh, you know, straight up words on paper. But even those words on paper, tone or not, are pretty damning, damning stuff. So it just just sounds like uh, there's got to be something there. And I've said that five, six times now, but that's sort of my opinion. Because I can't figure out for the life of me why he would do this interview at this time, maybe four months into his Chelsea career, and they were doing pretty well. Top of the table at the time. He had, I think, a couple, maybe five or six goals to his name. You know, obviously injured, but in, in a good position to continue on and have a strong season in the Prem and challenge for a title. Which is, like, mind-boggling. Like, I don't get – I just don't get it. But um, if he could, if he didn't go to City, he could have gone to Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich. 
Yes, according to him. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, it's ridiculous. But I think the the biggest thing that I've taken away from everything is, and I'm kind of, and this is, you know, not backed up by fact or anything, but just an uh, inkling of a feeling that I have is the pressure that this was put on Tom, not only Chelsea, but Thomas Tuchel, um, in that we know how cutthroat Chelsea can be. Um, and we know that Tuchel seems to have made a decision. We'll know more in the in the coming week, you know, what he decides to do with Lukaku when they meet. But the idea that, <clears throat> you know, he's got to keep, you gotta, he's got to keep the ship right. Otherwise, you know, it could get ugly because Frank Lampard got 200 million to spend and got his head cut off by January. Uh, Tuchel got 100 million on this one player here, uh, who's supposed to be the only thing that Chelsea was allegedly missing. The same Chelsea team that won the Champions League in, in May. Um, right. So if you look at it from Abramovich logic, I'm not saying Tuchel's on the hot seat, but it's getting pretty warm, fam. <laughs> Abramovich has the eye on him, I think, you know, so it could get really ugly for Tuchel. And I think that's the main takeaway from, from all of this. Uh, and it'd be pretty damning to find out in the future that maybe him and Lukaku had some sort of falling out sometime during the season that led up to this. And it could be, could be him wishing that he never left PSG <laughs> because this Chelsea... This Chelsea front office, I think he, he said. PSG, which is the crazy part. They kicked him out yeah. on Christmas. Yeah. On Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. Wasn't that BS of the year right there? But um, I think we even spoke about it, I think, you know, when it happened that, you know, the Chelsea board and the Chelsea front office, uh, if, P if, if he must have thought that PSG was toxic or cutthroat, Chelsea is, the, you know, the most cutthroat of them all. And this is a problem that no manager wants to have to deal with one of their star players coming out unprovoked allegedly so it seems and causing you know a rift here um, but we shall see i mean chelsea play again in the league cup semi-final the first leg against my spurs you know i'm hoping lukaku don't play so <laughs> we shall see if he enters uh, if he's if he's in the team or on the bench or something like that or if he doesn't play at all we we will have to see but yeah grass uh, things this doesn't look good for him it doesn't look good for anyone on chelsea absolutely not absolutely not i mean and you could see that they sort of may have missed him in this in this uh, match against Liverpool, which finished uh, two two, uh, as Liverpool went ahead two two nothing early on, and um, you know it going back with Kovacic and Pulisic also scoring goals to make it two two before that happened. It may, maybe they could have used him in the second half that lacked any goals, um, but then again maybe not. Maybe maybe they don't need him, but that that I guess is what we'll have our eye on in the next couple of weeks whether or not that his lack of presence um, will uh, negatively affect the club. And, and that's just something I, I mean, I can't answer at this, at this point in time. We saw them win the Champions League without an out-and-out striker like him, um, you know, instead of having Timo Werner and uh, Mason Mount contributing to a bunch of goals and uh, Pulisic amongst others, um, Kai Havertz as well. But yeah, we'll see if Tuchel can write the ship. I think it's just going to get really ugly right now. And nobody's happy about this, except maybe me, uh, who, like I said, plays play Chelsea in a couple of days' time. Uh, hopefully that it will negatively, negatively impact them. And then, of course, Manchester City, who uh, are just over here running away with the league while, you know, Chelsea's over here in turmoil. So, uh, and I mean, if I just read one more quote in regards to, you know, Lukaku's issues with Chelsea, we obviously, as Ronnie mentioned, you know, in detail, the 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 pole jockey, to quote the great Riley Freeman, uh, he was doing uh, in regards to Inter Milan uh, with Chelsea. Basically, this issue of the system, we should mention that he did say with the coach, we're trying to find a middle ground where we can meet a system which can help the team perform at its best, because right now it's we're in a complicated situation. Now, from Tuchel's point of view, or from what Tuchel's saying, it seems like there is no weird trying to find a middle ground. It sounds like he hasn't had a conversation in that regard. So I don't know what Lukaku's on, or I don't know what, what's going on here, but it's really, really funny. He said, I think I'm in a moment where the boss could play me a little more, but I have to respect his decisions. I uh, don't get that because he was hurt. The, probably the thinking is, yo, fam, you're coming back from injury. Take things easy. I'll put you in when I need you, but you're, you're still a. I I still need you. I feel like that's what happened, and this is taken out of proportion. At least that's what it's coming across as. Yeah, and then also to 
to uh, point the finger at uh, Tuchel as well, for, you know, slightly. When they landed Lukaku in August, he said, we now have the chance to play with two strikers uh, like they did at Inter or to continue with three strikers. We will see how this one works out. So um, it, it was reported that, you know, and if you look at the matches, Lukaku and Werner only started five games together, you know, that way as a, you know, and only twice as a traditional front two. Uh, most of the time it'd be with Werner either, you know, on either side of the wing with Lukaku as the front man. And so it seems like what Lukaku became used to at Inter under Antonio Conte is, you know, is not what he's getting at Chelsea. But I think him being the, the striker that a lot of people know him to be and showing out the way he did at Inter last season and kind of, you know, I guess you could say quieting a bunch of critics over at Serie A. Um, we know he's got unfinished business in the Premier League, but to prove himself as a star, you know, that he can be, uh, he needs to, I guess, be able to figure out a way to perform you know, in, in, in a role such as that, you know, whether it be a, a, a front three or a front two, I think most good strikers can manage in both, I'm assuming. Obviously, you want to be on the same page with the manager so that you can get the best output possible. Um, and I don't have Tuchel's uh, resume with strikers uh, at hand at the moment. We know some coaches really cater to the striker and help them grow. And But I think uh, uh, for Lukaku to take some accountability, which he seems to be doing, in that regard, saying that he's going to do his best to work and be professional, uh, he's got to really, he really want, I'm, I'm sure it'd be in his best interest and his, in his reputation's best interest to prove himself at Chelsea uh, or in, the, and in slash in the Premier League to show that he really is uh, a star because we know how his time in the Premier League has been showing that he has talent, but never kind of getting to that point I, I, with his time at Man United, his first stint at Chelsea. Um, so he's got to, it, this could get ugly for him too on a personal level. Aside from you know getting ugly for Tuchel on a Chelsea level, it can get ugly for him, for Lukaku, for the oh, fact that he sell his ass um, next to Chelsea home game. I'm saying you know with the fact that he's got like you said the fans there. Kind of, I mean I'd be hot if I was if I was the Chelsea fans, which I'm not. <laughs> but you know for his personal reputation and his status as a star striker to cement it and continue to cement it, he, he's got to perform in the Premier League. As he said when he came, he said he's at unfinished business unfinished business and this could get ugly and continue to be unfinished and i don't think he wants to see that so which brings me back to the main question of i have no idea why this came out in the way it came out something is fishy here ronnie i don't know when it comes to like the release of it that's all on sky italia but they knew and what for, they were doing i'm guessing and fabrizio romano who i'll get to i'll save that one for later <laughs> like I'm, I'm assuming they would have known. Like I, right, um, we, we we could do something with this, and they did. And, Dropping and, it right when Chelsea were having a bit of a down run, and yeah, you know, adding fuel to the fire that is Chelsea's chance of the title slipping away. You asked me the question earlier, and I, I mean, I want to ask you real quick, just to kind of put a pin in it. it. You know, if if let's say we have the Misfits FC, you are the manager, Miss, Mr. Misfit. And this happens under your watch. What are you doing? I'm throwing it back to the 1970s New York Yankees throwing chairs and shit. <laughs> no, um, I for the sake of the argument, I would probably put him in the game. Like, yo, um, yes, it might not be discipline. I get it, but look at yourself bigging your ass up. Do that shit right here against Liverpool. You gonna get your ass booed? Go ahead, but you ask for it. So it's 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 one of them. I, but then again, I, I I understand why you would bench him. Not even put him in the um, team sheet because you're talking about me and my system. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, that happened. Enough Lukaku whispering. Now let's talk about the apparent title chase that's no more. Oof, duh. Yeah, it uh, seems to be done and dusted. Obviously, anything and everything can happen uh, in the second half of the season, a.k.a. the business uh, end of the season. Um, yeah, but, no more early days here, fam. Yeah, ain't no more. This is on time now. There's no more early. <laughs> um, <laughs> it looks like with Man City now sitting, having played 21 matches on 53 points, Chelsea in second after with 21 matches on 43, Liverpool just behind after the draw today, uh, but with a game in hand on 42 points. I could say six points for Man City, a consistent Man City team like they've been doing for the past four years. Uh, six points could be enough because they don't really lose matches like that, few and far between. Um, 
But, you know, to give them 10 points above Chelsea and 11 now with a game in hand, if Liverpool were to win their game in hand, it'd be eight points. It's still a huge mountain to climb. Uh, and, I mean, how they got there, Manchester City, uh, was it versus Arsenal over the weekend. Quite the match that I would say that ma many maybe didn't see coming. Uh, this was a Manchester City team who allegedly might not have uh, started a couple of key players. Uh, Joao Cancelo, for one, he was in the, involved in some sort of robbery at the midweek, uh, apparently. And um, Rodri as well. They both, however, would make the start. Uh, Nathan Ake would get the left-back start. And Arsenal absolutely took it to him. This Arsenal team that's been in the form and with a manager, Arteta, who was not present, Obviously, his impact is showing uh, as Aubameyang has been nowhere near the team sheet. It looks like his Arsenal career might be done and dusted. But this team absolutely was on fire. They would get the goal to go out front against Man City. And they would be the better team for the better part of 60, 75 minutes. City would get a penalty that I would say was pretty questionable. Um, but I don't want to get into the VAR conversation because we seem to have it every week for the better part of two, two and a half years. Um, and ultimately, a 93rd-minute heartbreak um, goal from Rodri would, uh, as I said, break the hearts of the many Arsenal faithful. A City would go on to win in a game where folks will always say in headlines, this is the stuff that makes a championship season, yada, 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 yada. Despite the refereeing, I can't say despite because they were huge refereeing issues in that match as there has been all season, inconsistencies, if you will. Uh, a last-minute winner for City uh, really just shows, and it's got to be heartbreaking for Liverpool and Chelsea and even, you know, especially Arsenal, who they played on the day, that they can still pull out these wins. And you see this year in, year out with, uh, you know, the teams that win the title. The Liverpool uh, side that won uh, two seasons ago, you know, continue to do this and win matches and pull matches out of their ass. Um, but, Yes, City absolutely running rampant. I can't remember how many games they've won now on the spin, but it's more than five, more than seven. I think it's more than nine. A really bad calamity would have to happen for them not to win the title, I think. They'd have to lose four four matches, five matches, uh, plus the, the two that they've already lost for things to get interesting, which I honestly would like to see. You know, nobody wants to see the title done and dusted by, you know, late December or January. And Ronnie, I'm, you know, I know that was uh, a point that you made off the pod. Nobody wants to see the title race over. You know, we want to enjoy the, the, the competition. And we thought for a, a long time coming into the season that we'd have a, a, a three-horse race. But it's turning into a, a stallion versus some ponies and mules, it looks like. I'm on the position where if we're all going to concede the league early, let's entertain the fact that the Premier League might be a farmer's league. Jeez. If, I think, uh, if other leagues where teams pretty much have the league done and dusted, um, France, um, Germany, Italy back in the day, this is City's, what, fourth title in five seasons? Yeah. yeah Let's talk that, about it. That's actually a valid point. Um, Manchester City, uh, obviously the best team in uh you know in the land for the better part of the last decade obviously four you know four in the last five it could be five in the last six now um yeah, yeah you could absolutely make the case i think the thing about it is that uh well what i will say takes away from the farmer league aspect of it is the the quality of the competition i mean city have to be damn near perfect uh you know to win to win the premier league whereas uh you know it seems like in the bundesliga or and not just to specifically specifically point the, the, out the Bundesliga or in France, it seems that you know that's necess not necessarily the case. Uh, the level of competition I think is still quite high. You know, Liverpool obviously won the league last season and also had to be damn near perfect, which I think is entertaining in itself to be able to see that for the level of competition that there is in the Premier League. And I mean, if also we're arguing that maybe this could be a Farmers League now, I mean the Manchester United sides of the late 90s and early 2000s they pretty much won every other year you know you have that uh, argument too you know and so would that be considered a farmers league then as well you know th that's some real questions you'd have to ask that? um but i think obviously for me at least and obviously i'm biased so you can take what i say with a grain of salt that there 
is supreme, I would say really high quality competition in the Premier League, despite the fact that Man City have been damn near, as I said, perfect. And I think that seems to me to be more of a compliment and a nod to Man City's greatness rather than the Premier League's, uh, uh, I guess, lack of quality. Because I feel like when you say a farmer's league, it sounds like, you know, it, 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 I feel like it connotates like, it means that the league itself is trash. The, the teams that yeah, they play week in, week out That's uh, actually are bad. a good point because I feel like the term farmer's league is used specifically when a team has the title done and dusted in like October. But that negative connotation would be all these leagues are trash. Right. So I was using it in the terms of, okay, if you want to call a farmer's league a farmer's league because a team has a title done and dusted this early, and that same team wins every year or every other year, let's say the same thing about the Premier League. But yeah. if we're looking at it from that POV, that's disrespectful to everyone else. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, I guess, my main perspective on that. And I think with that being said, then there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had in regards to looking at other leagues. And I know with a lot of leagues, folks don't necessarily watch week in, week out and can't really speak to the quality of these teams. Uh, obviously, with- issue. People right. would, are quick to use the turnaround without knowing what the fuck is going on in Spain, Germany, Italy, France. Exactly. Because if you look at, for example, Serie A, and I'm sure no, folks are not necessarily saying that Serie A is a farmer's league. Well, you could maybe argue that because Juventus have won for the last nine years. But obviously, if you look and you're watching the matches, this is probably the most entertaining title race in all of the leagues in Europe, aside from the Eredivisie, for example. So, you know, um, I think there's definitely the folks need to look uh, you know, really use that term, I guess, when they're actually looking at the quality of, of what they're, I guess, criticizing. And um, I had another point, but I completely forgot. Like, for example, for, for certain leagues, another thing that's, I would say the last point on uh, the Farmers League thing, you know, for certain leagues, the main draw is taking the best quality um, from the teams directly below them. Um, and so, it, while it does happen in the Premier League, you know, where you'll see uh, Robin Van Persie leave Arsenal to go to Manchester United, who will win the title the next season. You know, <laughs> you'll see you'll see things like that. <laughs> I'm not because we're using Robin Van Persie from Arsenal to Manchester United when <laughs> in Germany it's anywhere else in Germany to Bayern. Exactly. So I like know, I throw it, Arsenal in that category. Yeah, you know, I had to, but like even with in the early 2000s with Sol Campbell, you know, going directly from Spurs to Arsenal, you know, so that things like that happen in the Premier League, but I would say they happen significantly less often. Now, I'm thinking um, going about uh, like uh, everyone's cherry picking Southampton. Southampton is definitely a farm. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> if we're going to put a farm in the Premier League, it's definitely Southampton. But I think, you know, on the point, like Bayern Munich, for example, we'll take, we'll pick. We'll have one competitor, you know, and it's usually Borussia Dortmund, and they'll pick specifically Borussia Dortmund's best talent and then just get significantly better. And then Borussia Dortmund will have to, you know, find more talent, and then it'll be the same thing over and over again with just two, maybe two teams, where in the Premier League, I think it's a bit more diversity. But um, Last year was so, yeah. Leipzig, by the way. Exactly. And so, yeah, last year's Leipzig. And now look at that. All of Leipzig's best players and their manager went to Bayern Munich. So... You know, I think it's slightly different in, in the Bundesliga, even though the competition and the quality has been pretty good there. But just Bayern seems to be able to just take the best and continue to build and then go unbeaten in the Champions League group stage with a higher go- GD than points. So <laughs> it's ridiculous. That was my point, and, and to put a pin on it. If you want to if you want to wrap up leagues early and call it far, um, call others farmers, you keep the same energy in the Premier League. But like I said, it, it could be derogatory if we're talking about the leagues in general. I was speaking more so of a title race POV because everything yeah. is heating up right now in Italy and not absolutely. the and, Absolutely. And I think to that point, I, I absolutely would take that. Uh, we don't want to see Man City, you know, be up by six or eight points and Liverpool and Chelsea. I don't want to see Man know. City up, period, but that's a whole other conversation. Hey, yes, it is. You know, but we, you know, the biggest draw, like I said, for me was the fact that we could have a three horse race. And the last time I think in the Premier League that that happened was in maybe 2014 
where we saw Arsenal, Liverpool, and City fighting for the chip, you know, or the league, the, the, the season that Leicester won, where we saw Spurs and Arsenal and Leicester fighting for the chip, you know, and so that that's what you want to see. You want to see the competition. You want to see something to play for, not where, for me, you know, for example, when I shouldn't be looking at the top four race this early in January, saying that's the, the hottest, hotly contested race in the Premier League, which it is at the moment, you know, but is what it is. I think City's been absolutely brilliant and uh, hate to say it. Uh, but that being said, us here will hate to say it. Yeah, we're just kind of. I don't even have the horse in the Premier League, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just the you know when you have a club that wins for so long, or a team in any sport that just wins for so long, you're like somebody come in and beat these guys, man. That, that's what that was. That's what you know, just to get the competition going, make it more entertaining, but. I mean, enough about the 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 Premier League, Farm League, or whatever you want to call it, or whatever people want to call it or don't want to call it. Uh, there was football elsewhere, finally. Uh, some some leagues uh, came back from their so-called holiday break, mainly La Liga. Shall we get into some of that stuff? Because we already know Barcelona. Um, they were a depleted squad, but they still managed to beat Mallorca. Um, Atleti beat your Rayo Vallecano, though you didn't pick Rayo. This weekend in the predictions, I just want to talk about how Real Madrid lost. Now, does this mean anything for the title race? It does not. It's Real Madrid <laughs> forgetting. Oh, they're still um they're hungover from the New Year's vibes, and we're playing on January saying, "Oh shit," yawning yes. and red eyes in the face against Getafe. But um, it it it's a fluke. But Real Madrid should still, I would not waltz, but take the chip. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I just I looked at the table and Sevilla have two games in hand. If they can win those two games in hand, they'll be two points back of Real Madrid. That'll make something interesting. Probably not. Uh, they can do that. I'm all in. Put money yeah. on Sevilla and that's a back. At the end of the day, they're doing it. But there you go. We'll see. Yeah, but I think uh, same thing with, with the Premier League as to La Liga. It seems that as if the top four race in the Champions League positions is where things are heating up as Barcelona leapfrogged my Rayo Vallecano, who Ronnie mentioned I didn't pick. Uh, as Atletico Madrid also uh, did some leapfrogging and is sitting, uh, sitting in, well, not no leapfrogging, but is sitting in fourth place now. But we've got, uh, if you go all the way back to Valencia, who's sitting eighth, there is uh, a five-point gap between eighth place and the, the last Champions League spot. And Valencia could have jumped as high as third, had they not lost on New Year's Eve to, I believe, Espanol? Yeah, they lost to, uh, it, it was uh, Espanol 2-1. Yeah, that couldn't fuck them up for any top four chances, but we'll see. Yeah, man. So uh, all eyes turn to the Serie A, where the title race is still heating up. Yeah, man. They're not back yet. They'll be back in the midweek. On Three Kings Day, so we'll see how things go in Serie A. Germany, they are back next weekend as well, and Legon, they will be back next weekend too. England, I was gonna take a break. They're taking a break for the FA Cup and the League Cup. That too, unless you had COVID, in which case y'all playing those midweek games. Oh man, and are there many teams to play in the midweek? Paging Burnley, goodness gracious! <laughs> so they just—they're just giving points up left, to right, and center. <laughs> they might go back down. I think they're going back down. Sean Dyche might—I don't know if he gets sacked too, but they're going down. Could this be the end of Sean Dyche's Burnley, where you go to Turf Moor and get beat up? <laughs> hey man, Klopp would be happy to see that man up out of here. <laughs> so with Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, he's always getting under the German skin, fam. Oh, he sure is. So while Burnley and all the other teams who are playing in the midweek to make up matches do that, LV, um, if there's nothing else, I believe now is that time. Ronnie, when you say that time, you talking about the first BS of the week of the new year? Yes, I do, LV. Yes, I do. Let's hear that drop one time. Nobody is doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit.
Wow, you are afraid to say it. But it's all bullshit stories. What is it? Most of the times it's, uh, it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta give you credit, fam, for um, making this work of musical art. Hey. Shall you begin or shall I? I can get right to it. Uh, my BS of the week is pretty straightforward and direct. It gets down to uh, what we were talking about earlier with regards to Chelsea and the Romelu Lukaku situation. Uh, my BS of the week comes to the one, uh, as as was called uh, once upon a time, the Italian guy, Fabrizio Romano, the transfer reporter extraordinaire. My man seems to have every single quote from this here uh, interview, and he looked like the only person to have quotes. And the BS for me comes, uh, fam, I just want to see the whole interview. Can y'all let us see it in the States here? What's going on? Fabrizio Romano dropping two quotes on a day, getting Chelsea fans riled up, waiting 24 hours, and then coming back with some more bombshells. Just give us the whole thing, fam. Like, you're killing me here. Apparently, it was a 30-minute interview with a lot going on, and Fabrizio Romano seems to be holding it tight to the chest. Bro, let it go, fam. I mean, I know it's out now, and I got to get a VPN, but why I got to do all that? And I know it's not necessarily his fault. It's mainly on Sky Sports Italia, but Romano, just you know, drop a nice little long article with all the quotes and stuff in there. You know, and at this point, he seems to have, or it seems to have already been done with a full kind of uh, rundown on what happened. But at the time, I was sitting there like, "Fam, I'm not trying to refresh my timeline every 30 seconds, waiting for you to piss off Chelsea fans. I want to piss off Chelsea fans too." So, BS of the week, Fabrizio Romano and this uh, this situation. You could have gave us some more, fam. Come on now, Ronnie, what you got? I got two pieces of BS. Um, Coming in hot for the new year. BS League number one. We're going to Holland. The person who asked Sebastian Ayer, yo, so would you rather play for Ajax or the AFCON? <laughs> Ajax during AFCON have matches against Utrecht and PSV, but that man will be playing for the Ivory Coast in Cameroon for the Africa Cup of Nations, which begins next weekend, by the way. So, someone pretty much asked him that, and Ale was like, verbatim quote, the statement shows a disrespect for Africa. Would this ever have been presented to a European player towards a European championship? This tournament was actually supposed to be held in the summer, but was postponed due to Corona virus. Of course, I will go to the Africa Cup of Nations to represent Ivory Coast. That is the highest honor. And of course, I would have liked to have taken the plane in between to be able to play against Utrecht and PSV, but that's simply impossible. The situation is very frustrating. I have to choose between my country and my club. That's real shit. I play with Ajax for the title, and those two matches are very important because they influence the ranking. Patrick Vieira also was like, yo, y'all disrespect AFCON too goddamn much. Um... So point being, yes, my club has a couple matches that are real big when it comes to the, the Eredivisie title chase. And at the moment, Ajax are sitting in second behind PSV by a point. Um, hey man, country just means more. And anyone who has a problem with it ain't really shit, if we're being honest. Yeah, that reporter is lucky that that one African guy that was that was uh, coming at Klopp with the smoke wasn't there. He would have got dropped. It. <laughs> uh, you are insulting the continent. You better relax. He's lucky he wasn't in the press room with him. Hey man, and Ale pretty much did the same thing, but it wasn't as radical, for lack of a better term, to Klopp. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy said you're insulting the whole continent of Africa. <laughs> Shut your ass up and have to go to Afcon. <laughs> Oh, that's another thing, by the way. All these guys acting like, oh, we're losing, we're gonna lose our players. Like, y'all knew AFCON was gonna happen. Y'all should have prepared better, fam. Yeah, come on, fam. Get ready. What you gonna do about it? <laughs> it's sorting the continent. Come on, now. We will preview AFCON, by the way, so be on the lookout for that. 
And my second piece of BS of the week. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little nervous at doing this because we're giving it to an autocratic state, but we have to go to the People's Republic of China. Woohoo! Let's get, let's get ready to get canceled like the NBA. Let's <laughs> <laughs> so, the chat. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'm sorry, but I have to do this. Freaking word came out on New Year's Eve. Like, fam, they couldn't even wait until before BS the year came out to, to do this. Apparently, Chinese footballers have been banned from getting tattoos and instructed the players who do have tattoos to either remove or cover them to set a, quote, good example for society. Oh, man, I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Some players will have some issues, though. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the player ESPN used in the Instagram picture to to discuss this was a defender number five, Zhang Linpeng. He plays for Guangzhou. That man has tattoos up to his neck, so he's probably <laughs> gonna have to use like a gator or some shit to cover that up, and then sleeves. <laughs> He's going to have to wear football pants. <laughs> and then if you have tattoos on your legs, you're pretty much wearing sweats. And don't nobody want to see you wearing sweats, fam. Come on, bro. You got a goalkeeper in the cold, fam. Oh, man, madness. Makes but me yeah, think of certain um, players that are tatted up. Neymar. Oof. Even Messi is a leg tat. Quiet for him. It's quiet oh, for man. Zlatan. Um, <laughs> it's also quiet for... um. Raja Nyangolan. Oh, man. Raja Nyangolan. Wherever he is, man. I haven't seen him in so long, but my boy was tatted up from the back of his head down to his foot. It's a tattoo everywhere, fam. It's like, yeah, he would uh, have a hard time playing in China for sure. But luckily, he plays in Antwerp. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Um, uh, that's BS of the week. Um, if you if you if you if you're in China and you want to listen to the football misfits, just know from now on you can. Sorry. <laughs> it's like uh, it's when uh, Saudi Arabia canceled the Hassan Minaj. <laughs> oh, and if we keep on talking, you might not be listening to us in Saudi Arabia either. <laughs> uh, so. Yo, Ronnie, before before. <laughs> Before you get canceled in any other states or countries, you want you want to go ahead and sign us off. <laughs> Thankfully, we're never in North Korea because they don't have this technology, so we're good there. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening to episode one of 2022, episode 75, as a collective. We thank you guys for getting involved with us. And again, BS of the year 2021 is out now. Go back and listen to that as we give BS. Of the year to VAR, Tottenham, Juventus, Frank Tottenham. DeBoer, Social all media. that. Tottenham. Social media. Everton. Listen to BS of the year. We appreciate it, and we couldn't have done it without you. And we can't do this without you. So thank you guys so much. Um, Thank you guys for being a good friend to us. And for the good brothers, LV and Spence. I go by the name of Ronnie. We'll see you on episode 76. Until next time, adios. Woo! Episode 100 on the way.